You guys, y'all, for real, this is the most long-awaited episode that Loki we always do. So, <laughs> I guess today, what'd you say? This is going to be a normal conversation then. Exactly, exactly. Listen, y'all, this is, I'm going to do, um, you know, a quick intro to the episode and then I'm going to have her introduce herself. But y'all, this is my very best friend in the entire world. This is my college roommate, like met the first day of undergrad in the FLC <laughs> at Georgia State. FLC is a freshman learning community. So we was green, beyond green, neon green. And navigating this world when we met, I'm so happy, so very happy to have my best friend on this episode today. We are going to be talking to Miss, I was about to say your full government, but let me cut the middle name out. <laughs> Miss Nisha Poe. Yay. We are talking, yay, do, 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 my fat. Y'all, I'm so hyped. Um, we're talking. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you. We're going to be talking about raising resilient children today. We're going to be talking about maybe a little bit about our friendship, you know, that goes into yes. raising this child because that's my goddaughter. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about culturally appropriate parenting practices. So she black. Amen. Uh, <laughs> Clark is black. Right. Um, and really, we're just going to talk about, you know, families and how to raise a resilient, strong, amazing, wonderful child. We're going to introduce Clark here shortly, too. Um, so today, we just have those few key objectives. And I want you guys, let's just start. Let me have Tanisha speak up and introduce herself real quick. Tell everyone who you are, where you're from, what you do, how you feel. What's up? <laughs> Hello, world. My name is Tanisha Poe. I am originally from Columbus, Georgia, but I've lived in Atlanta all of my adult life. Um, so, yeah, but born and raised in Columbus, moved to Atlanta for school. Um, just a brief, you know, description of myself or how I would describe myself. Um, I am a Black woman, a mom, a daughter, a sister, a partner a film and TV show fanatic. I am a friend, um, someone who is a committed champion of love. I'm a runner, a home cook, a reader. <laughs> um, and I really pride myself on being someone who makes space for everyone, but especially those who feel like, um, you know, their place is only, you know, on the margins. Um, I want, I'm someone who wants freedom for us all. Um, I'm generous with, um, my love, but also discerning, and I am always leading with love. Um, educationally, I am a, a graduate of the real GSU, Georgia State University. You stay? Um, I have my bachelor's in psychology from Georgia State, and professionally, I am currently working in the learning and development space for licensed medical professionals, and I am a new baby business owner. So, yes. <laughs> Come on, Southern Bell TP. <laughs> All the things. So, yeah. Listen, we love her. Yes. Yeah, so, she is from Columbus. I just shouted out her old AOL username, Southern Bell TP. That's why. Yeah, we was back on Black Planet, yes. But yes, also a lover of all, an avid cook, y'all. Yes. Check out Poe Plated on all platforms. Cookbook yes. coming out, cooking lessons coming out. Yes. We love Miss Tanisha. 
I love you too. <laughs> so we start off with something a little corny, which I love. You know, I love all things corny. Like I said, we have a tight hour, so let's we're just gonna do one round okay. of the song association challenge. You know how to play that? You play like no, you say a word and are you play you say a word and I sing the song or something? Exactly, exactly. But okay. with this, we could you say a word or I'm gonna say a word and then you can say a word. So it's not just you being put on the spot. Oh my god. Um, so you get 10 seconds. I am not a singer. You're not a singer, but you love music. So I feel I like you're going to smash this. I feel like this is going to be easy for you. Okay. Um, so the word only has to be either in the title or the lyric. So it doesn't have to be, like if I say baby, it don't have to be baby, baby, baby. Right? It could just be something that say baby in the lyrics of the song. Okay. Okay. So you want to say a word or you want to sing first? Give me a word first. <laughs> Let me get the word. She said, get the pressure over with. Yes. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf. Oh, you know what? Because we're talking about resilient kids, oh, I'm going to say the word, and let me make sure I got a song. <laughs> I'm going to say the word strong. Oh, my goodness. Is that hard? <laughs> strong is hard. Oh wow! I can't think of anything strong. I went neo soul. Yeah, I went kind of. <laughs> yeah, strong is. Uh... <laughs> and do they even say that song? That word in this song? I'm thinking strong, brother, black, or whatever that song is. Yeah, you went. You on music soul child. You yeah, on... okay, okay, exactly. I knew it was somebody. <laughs> Your music tastes are too bad. That was going to be like a super easy word, like love. Like that was going to be my word. Like, okay. Oh, no. Give me something a little harder than that. We all know love. Freedom. Freedom, freedom. My favorite. Freedom, cut me loose. I knew you were going to pick that one because that would have been mine. That would have been mine. That would have been mine. Oh, listen, listen, we should just keep key on an episode and only do Beyonce songs because no, for real. We could do that. We both certified beehive members. So yeah, I'm gonna bring you back. We're gonna run that one back. Yes. <laughs> okay, that was cute. So yes, let's jump into the actual episode, y'all. We want to, like I said, talk about raising resilient children. Um yeah, we're going to introduce Clark. We're going to talk about Clark here shortly, but let's talk about the very beginning. So a part of raising resilient children is, right, like having a healthy child. Mm -hmm. um, you have a pretty wild birth story, so you can start from there. Give me your origin story. Tell me about, you know, how you Ooh. became a mom, what your early months were like, any support that you had, just anything that sticks out. So a man and a woman come together. <laughs> Not the birds and the bees, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so yeah, my birthing story is actually uh, very unique and unusual. Um, some would say I found out that I was pregnant very far along um, within my pregnancy. I was eight months, so a little backstory to that. 
Um, just to share a little bit of like small medical history. When I was 17, I was diagnosed with um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is commonly known as PCOS. Um, women have like, you know, fertility issues, infrequent um, periods, um, a lot of hair growth, a lot of hormonal um, things that are tied to PCOS. And so, um, from like 17 into like my early 20s, I would have irregular cycles. And so for me to not have a cycle was like normal. I could go, you know, months and months and months without having a cycle, which is, you know, a key indicator of pregnancy for a lot of women. Um, but for me, it was like, oh, okay, I'm not getting my period. I'm just not getting my period. So um, I found out I was pregnant when I was, like I said, far along within my pregnancy. I was eight months and that completely you know, transform my life. I was in the thick of, you know, undergrad and all oh, of you. So, oh, um, I was 22 when I got pregnant. Okay. Good age. Good age. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah, not like a, not a, you know, a teen mom, <laughs> um, but very much still a young mom um, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the prime early stages of my 20s. So um, yeah. And so I, was concerned about, you know, Clark being a healthy baby because I'm like, oh my God, I haven't been going to the doctor. I wasn't getting checkups. I wasn't on any type of prenatal. So I'm like, you know, I'm still trying to push my way through the last leg of undergrad and I'm eating whatever, you know, <laughs> I can, I can scrounge up for that day. Um, and so I'm like, oh my God, what if, you know, something's wrong? with her or she's not healthy, you know, I felt like I would take that, you know, weight on as blaming myself. Um, but she was perfectly healthy, 10 fingers, 10 toes, a little small, but you know, that's to be expected. Um, but she was perfectly healthy and that is my story. <laughs> I remember we picked her up and went to the nail salon or something just to show my mom like, look, we got a baby. Right. <laughs> and she was so perfect. But yeah, even about your origin story, right? Like, as we know about Black women, it's actually really good that you got diagnosed with PCOS. Like, a lot of people just go without being diagnosed. And, mm -hmm. you know, even the maternal mortality rate, like, you couldn't have made it. So we are so Absolutely. lucky to have you and to have yes. Clark and to have her be so beautiful and healthy and strong and smart. Yes, she so is. How did you go from, you know, one month to prepare for a kid while still in college to having a baby. And then what were the early months or years like with a newborn? Yes. So in the, you know, the early stages of being a mother, as soon as I, you know, found out I was pregnant, my support system completely kicked in 100%. My my family, my mother um, specifically was very, very hands-on. She was super happy. Um, I was in complete shock, but my mom was um, very happy for me and very happy to, you know, have a grandchild coming. And so she was super supportive. Anything I needed, um, my mom was very much there for me. Um, my village was there for me in general. I had to, you know, I did a hardship withdrawal from school. Georgia State was very understanding of my circumstance. I provided them with all the documentation that they needed, and I was able to do a hardship withdrawal. Um, and, I, you know, eventually I went back and got my degree um, after a couple months off, but they allowed me to do that. So that was, you know, very important and supportive of, you know, me just taking a break to, you know, reorient myself in my life. Uh, for this major life change. 
So the first couple of months were, you know, an adjustment <laughs> for sure. Um, my mom helped me with Clark for the first nine or 10 months or so um, of her life. She lived um, with my mom in Columbus so that I could, you know, wrap up school and find a place and figure out what I was going to do and get everything in order um, because I was not prepared um, to have a kid, to have a child. So that gave me time. So Clark was with my mom and she was there and my mom is great and helped and took care of her and I would go home and visit. And then after a while, my mom was like, it's your turn. <laughs> Come get your baby, girl. Come get your child. Love her. Love her. But the only way to be a mom is to be a mama. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to jump right into that. And so I was very thankful for the time that she allowed me to, like I said, reorient my life and, you know, have her support. Yeah. And you know what? Even in, when I think back, right, like we stayed super close this entire time. I don't remember you taking that hardship withdrawal. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of our listeners are college students. They're people who want to go on to grad school. People who think, right, that changes to life's plan are just disruptions and they can never come back. So how right. did you know that you could take that withdrawal? Did you talk to an advisor? Did so you? I worked on campus already. Um, so okay. I was very familiar with all the different offices and, you know, one of my managers was like, hey, you know, you can take time off <laughs> um, and just come back. You know, you, but you have to I had to show them like, hey, I have documentation from my doctor. I have, you know, all the things I had to show them. And, you know, it was a couple of weeks and they granted me the hardship withdrawal for me to, you know, take some time off. But it was someone else bringing it to my awareness because I'm thinking, mm -hmm. oh, my God, I have to drop out of school. Like, it's just going to be so much. I'm, I'm going to have to leave and go back home. Like, it was a lot of different thoughts. Um, so just having someone else be a resource to let me know, like, hey, you do have options available. And, um, yeah, that was extremely helpful. Wow. And I know, right, like one of the things that even this year we talked to Clark about when she she felt like she was in class with some bad kids. And we, we told her, <laughs> if you want to switch class, you need to go talk to an administrator. Yeah. And that's yeah. how she was able to make that happen. But absolutely, even in college, if you feel like I'm going through something, don't just not show up to class and fail the class. Right. Who can you talk to, whether that be your teacher, an advisor, an academic officer, somebody who can help advocate for you to where, like you're saying, you could take that hardship withdrawal. That is um, a great part of your testimony though. Like I said, even I like thinking back, I'm like, nah, she had no love, you know? <laughs> so that, that is, that is an awesome experience that you were yes. able to advocate for yourself. First of all, speak up. Mm -hmm. We know as strong black women, we don't always speak up. Absolutely. So Absolutely. speaking up, asking for help and then following up on those recommendations was great. Yes. Yes. So tell me about, so nine months later, now you got a baby and she's looking at you like, mama, mama, mama. Yeah. Tell me about those um, kind of early, we could say early years, because like I said, we got a tight hour today. So tell me about those early years. Uh, one thing I want to I want to say selfishly is that I remember one time I was watching Clark with my mom, of course, because we're the real adults. 
So I was watching Clark with my mom. And I was like, Clark, go get your stuff together. Your mom's about to come get you. And when I tell you this little baby, she was maybe one and a half, waddled <laughs> over to her stuff and started folding her clothes, like four-point folds. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This baby is different. This baby is not the same as these other kids out of had and had to watch. Mind you, I've been working in childcare my whole life. So how did you raise, we'll mm-hmm. start with that, somebody who was just attentive, who's a good citizen, who is polite and smart and sweet. How did you do that? So, yeah. So when I found out that I was a a mom, I knew kind of just my personality. I knew what kind of mom I wanted to be as someone who is very structured and like things in place and organized and a prepared person. Sometimes a child can kind of rattle that, right? Because children are just all over the place. Um, But I maintain that I, even with the child, there was going to be structure. (laughs) I was not going to fall victim to, you know, just stuff being everywhere. And, you know, so I think from okay hashtag structure y'all yes from early from from the time she was born I was very much like you know I want this child to understand that she's a person I'm going to always treat her like a person she's I don't look at her as a mini version of me I look at her as her own individualized self and because that's how I look at myself. And I'm someone who has boundaries. And even with the child, I will, you know, stress those boundaries with her. Like, yes, you can play with your toys and have toys, play with them openly and freely, but within your playroom. Or, you know, once you've played with them, it's time to clean up. We're going to put everything back where it was. You know, I can come help you if you need help or if she was with her father or any one of our close family and friends. Like, we will help you. We can make it like a team effort. Um, so she was just very much from the beginning. <laughs> she saw that I was someone who enforced my boundaries and my space and taking care of my things. And I think that she began to mirror that very early on as a child. And I just wow. always look at her as a human, you know, like that's how I treat her. Um, so yeah, it was it was very thing. easy for me because that's how I am with most people. Like I look at people as human beings who have all type of moods, emotions, problems, anything, you know, like so I've always treated her that way from the very beginning. Wow, because- you just said so much that is so necessary. I know that I used to, you know, jokingly describe my little naked wild baby running around like <laughs> the little brother off wild thornberries. But now, oh, y'all, I don't even know if I told the podcast. I'm like nine months pregnant myself. So I'm thinking about, right, like, <laughs> having a podcast, baby, y'all. But right, like, I'm having to really be intentional about thinking about the type of child that I want to raise, which is a part of selfishly why I wanted to have this um, conversation. Mm-hmm to all the conversations we've already had. But that's so important, right? Like being intentional about the type of child you want to raise, being intentional about treating them as their own individual person, letting them grow mm-hmm. into who they are. And then you said something huge about not only boundaries, but modeling them for yourself. So these yes. are my boundaries and my expectations. Um, yes. But also, right, like how do you teach a, a, a young child to have their own boundaries? And what are some early boundaries that you remember Clark having or that you had to model for her? 
So some um, boundaries that I think that she learned early on from me would be like, so some people would say I when, when Clark was much younger, I had like a detached parenting style, which I don't believe, but maybe that could be the word that could be used. So I was very much like, this is mommy's room. You know, like you can come in here, but you know, this is where mommy sleeps. This is where mommy decompresses from the day and this is my space so i i never like I, she never really like slept in the bed with me unless she was sick or you know just oh mom can i sleep in the bed with you like of course i would never turn her down um but just modeling to her like it's okay it's not selfish it's not self-centered to be like you know and I express her even now sometimes at 14 I tell her you know if I'm having a bad day I'm like today is, has not been such a good day and it's not anything that you did of course not but like when we get home I may need an hour you know like I completely communicate with her I think that's a huge part of it too from a very young age I didn't do much baby talk um <laughs> I am a direct communicator so I was very much like okay, how do you feel today? And this is how I feel today. And you fail. And how does that make you feel? Or this, you know, you watch this cartoon on TV. How did you know? Like, what are you learning from this? So I gave her room to voice herself as well as me being a model for that and also voicing myself as well. Um, So I think that was very important and integral for her to, you know, just be the well-rounded person um, that she has grown to be and, you know, self-sufficient. And cause I tell her all the time, I'm like, one thing I want you to, like, I, I really wanted to make sure that I raised a self-sufficient child, but who always knew that, yes, I'm able to do these things myself and try them out, but I also have, like, so many people around me who are holding me up, who are supporting me, who are here as resources, who I can talk to, who I'm not afraid of, um, who are more than willing to help guide me along whatever path I decide to go on. That's so important. That's so important. So that balance between knowing I can do it and having the efficacy or the confidence in myself and the opportunity, right? So you weren't hovering. You didn't talk about that, right? Like in terms of, mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything mm -hmm. for you. Let mommy take care of that. But so that, that took a lot of uh, restraint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being controlled to not hover is, um, and I like, I'm not perfect. There have been many moments where I'm like, okay, you're hovering or Girl, let me do it. Right. Let me do it. Or you're being too strict or, you know, like there have been, because I, I am very much a stickler for a lot of things. Um, so I have had many, many, many countless moments of where I, but I, I am um, intelligent enough when it comes to emotions to recognize when I'm doing that. And so I'm like, you know, step back don't go so hard. Don't be so strict about this. Like, it's okay. Breathe. <laughs> Ooh, breathe. Breathe. That's so huge. Yeah. yeah. You have to have a ton. To, oh, my God. Patience. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And so I you mentioned myself as a patient person, but then you have a child and you're like, no, you really. They're going to try you at every every corner. Even the best child will try you as oh, well. Absolutely. That's what I Clark is. I couldn't have prayed for a better child. Like she mm -hmm. has not given me any issues whatsoever. But even within that, you still have to have patience. Yeah. 
So talk a little bit about emotion regulation. So you said some things that you model for her in terms of I might need an hour or so to unwind after Mm -hmm. I get home or after I pick you up from school. You just mentioned needing to take a breath. That's Mm -hmm. so important. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we talk about in terms of um, emotion regulation is like body scanning. So mm-hmm. where are you feeling your emotions in your body? You mm-hmm. know, kids will have stomach aches when they don't want to go to school yeah. because there's something that they're stressing about at school. Yeah. How have you modeled that for her? Do you have any concrete examples of kind of that emotion regulation or even her emotional development that you can share? So as you mentioned before, like a lot of things that kids experience and just humans in general, it shows up, you know, in the body. So there have been moments, especially as Clark has gotten older and school has become a little bit more um, strenuous. She has, you know, testing that she has to do now and state tests and all of those standardized things that she's now doing. And she is a, you know, high achieving person and student. And so she gets nervous. And so I've, I've seen in her within, you know, the past couple years where it's like, oh, I have this huge test coming up and the day before, you know, she's studying for or trying to prepare for it, she'll get headaches, um, all those type of things. And so I've told her, you know, if you need to take a break or if we need to go get some ice cream real quick or take a walk or whatever needs to be done, we can sit out, you know, sit in the living room and watch a television show, one of your favorite shows or a movie because I model that, right? So for me, I will, okay, I've been working all day. I feel frazzled. I'm going to go for a run. Like I mentioned, I'm a runner. I'm going to go for a run or I'll go to the gym or I also go on vacations. I go on a lot of vacations, you know, with her, without her. So she knows like, hey, my mom loves me, but my mom also needs time to herself. And I tell her all the time, you will need time to yourself away from me. As much as we love each other, there are very few people on earth that I want to be around every single day, every single second of that day. Um, So she's able to see like, yes, there's still a huge capacity for love and that's very present. Um, And I acknowledge her emotions. I ask her about her, her emotions all the time, asking her, you know, how did that make you feel? Or, um, Outside of like, how was your day? Because most kids, especially teenagers, are going to say it was fine. <laughs> right, right. Not going to really give you a lot, so you kind of have to dig deeper into that, and then those emotions and those feelings will start to come out. And I ask her all the time, like, do you trust me? Do you feel safe with me? Um, wow. that's very important too. Wow, yeah. Especially as you know, kids get older. It's it's important you know, across the board. But raising a teenager now, um, I want her to feel like I am someone that she can come to and talk to and be safe around because I allow her to see me be human. She's seen me cry. She's seen me be upset. She's, you know, like, so she understands that I can be those things too, but in a, there's a way of handling those things. Like when I'm angry, I'm not fussing and yelling and, you know, there are healthy ways of handling all type of emotions that I'm feeling. And I make space for her to be those things, you know, because she makes space for me to be those things. So it's a mutual relationship between, you know, parent and child. I like that you said that, that it's a relationship that you guys have, because I certainly see that even when I spend time time with you guys, like 
I'll come over and we'll spend, you know, 20 something minutes together in the living room. And then it's like, all right, baby, uh, me and mama got to talk. <laughs> and then we, you know, we set those appropriate boundaries. And of course, if it starts getting juicy, she's going to come back out and, and try to sit down silently and, right. you know, learn from us as well. Um, and that's, I mean, that's how I was raised too. Yeah. You know, yeah. my mom is someone who always, even, even now, is someone I get that from her who was constantly around other people, especially other women. So it was like, it was always, you know, girl talk and girl time. And, you know, like, that's just how I was, I was raised around that. But at a certain time it was like, you know, Hey, this conversation may not be appropriate for your child to hear. So can you give us, you know, like, we're not kicking you out. We love you. Love having your presence around. But j this boundary that we're setting is just strictly for adults right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once we're done, kick in, you can come on back and join us and, you know, everything will be fine. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. And right, that that separation doesn't cause an actual separation in your relationship because like you said, it's just a healthy boundary. Right. I'm not, we're not like, get out. You know, like it's it's right. not that of type of language being used and feeling right. at all. So yeah. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, testing becoming more difficult. Um mm -hmm. I want to switch and talk a little bit about kind of just overall resilience. Mm -hmm. So for our audience members, resilience is really just the ability to bounce back after you have any life challenges. It's to really recover from those setbacks that happen. And girl, we both yep. know, right? Like we deal with things every day and it's just like, all right, well, we just got to roll with the punches. I know that we rely on, you know, like spirituality. We rely on each other. We mm -hmm. might need a good meal. I love that you just mm -hmm. talked about a variety of things like taking a walk, mm -hmm. having mm -hmm. some ice cream, watching TV, really sitting down and talking about the root of the issue. Mm -hmm. um, so for Clark specifically, outside of kind of school um, or even within school, so let me say outside of testing, yes. right, what sorts of other stressors does, good goodness, an actual <laughs> teenager, right? Like what is she dealing with and how do you help her overcome any of those setbacks or challenges in a way that allows her to build up that confidence in her ability to overcome them herself? Um, I think a lot of stressors that I've noticed is in the context of like identity. So like uh, kids are most, even, you know, most of us are, it takes a, like we're figuring out who we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what we stand for and all of those things change, you know, throughout our lifetime. And so I see um, some of those stressors coming up for her and just figuring out, you know, small things like how she wants to wear her hair, what's her style when it comes to like clothes, um, the things that she stands for in, in terms of like integrity and knowing what's right and wrong. And those stressors can just become, you know, exacerbated the older she gets, because now you have outside influences telling you how you should be, how you should dress, what's right, what's wrong. They're pressuring you, you know, all of those different type of things, which is why we've set a boundary for her. Like, you know, no social media until a certain age, because we want you to be right. Like, 
you know, we want you to be in a cognitive and emotional state where you're able to not let so much influence who you are in your identity. Because even as an adult, I can be on Instagram and I'm I'm influenced and I'm 36. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, it's it's much harder. And so I feel like those, you know, outside societal stressors and like just identity development, all of those things can can weigh is what I've seen weigh you know a little bit more heavily on her as she's gotten older. Um that's yeah. outside of school and educational things. Yeah, and I love that you said that as well, that, you know, even as you're understanding and growing to know yourself, also know that that could change. That could be totally different tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. the type of music you listen to. I love that you mentioned hair. I know for black girls in particular, hair is a huge thing. Yes. Uh, we focus on racial socialization and even thinking about the media, right? Like you you need to be able to, if you're looking at images in the media, also know that if the way you look or the way you prefer your hair is drastically different from that, it's mm-hmm. okay as well. And you don't have to conform to that. So I yes. think that's huge. I heard that all the time. And I, I also let her know, hey, you have the right to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And I tell her all the time, your no is your no, because my no is my no. I don't have to explain it. That's a full sentence. So if you say, I mean, you can't say no to, you know, chores. <laughs> but if you say, you know, no to, I don't agree with that or no, I don't want to do that. Then, you know, her no is her no. And I 100% back her and whatever she decides for herself, she has autonomy. She has a voice and I allow her to use that. I don't stifle it. Granted, she's very respectful. She's not a disrespectful child. So if there was a case where it was something like that going on, okay, let's have a conversation about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't, she has a voice. I want her to use it. Because I wasn't particularly raised to use my voice. I was raised, mm-hmm. girl, be quiet. Don't be seen. <laughs> you know, or if you are seen, make it quick. And certainly are, don't push back. Right. Yeah, like, no. never, never push back, ever. Oh, my God. So that yeah. was never allowed. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Girl, I'm over here. <laughs> First time I say no, it's like I never said right. yes. But right. that is so important, right? Like if she's able to tell you no, then mm-hmm. if a little boy trying to kiss her and the answer is no, she can stand firmly in that no. So I think that Absolutely. hopefully that hasn't happened yet. It's going to come at some point. But right, like when the time for relationship comes, I think that what you're talking about now, all of these things, right? Like that's the birds and the bees. That's the type of socialization mm-hmm. um, that really prepares kiddos to be able to not only choose healthy partners, but girl, we know these boys be faking and lying. So if it comes to where, right, like what do you do if you really like a boy and he still wants to do something that you're not ready for? Are you able Mm -hmm. to say no? Mm -hmm. And and certainly I think that- Stand strong in that no, because some of them will try to manipulate and convince you of anything. You know, it's just, even friends can do that. It's not even outside of like, you know, relationship aspect, like friends could make you, you know, oh, Clark, sneak out, you know, we're going, we're going to do this or you know, like whatever. It could be all type of pressures. Yeah. If you are like, my no is my no. And I tell her all the time, I don't care if people call you lame, stuck up, whatever. Cause you know how kids, they can go in sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, it doesn't, they, they don't I'll dig- be that. I'll be that be that they don't dictate who you are you dictate who you are yeah and confirming that like that self-awareness has to be there it has to be 
Otherwise, people want to sway you and pull you in a million different directions. Yeah. And I keep listening, y'all. Let me cover up her face to protect her young identity. But I keep looking at this picture of my little baby like, oh, my God, Clark, please don't let these boys take advantage of you. But you're <laughs> absolutely right in that. You, let me say we, right? Like, we have been really intentional about making sure that she is able to really appreciate herself and love herself and have that self-esteem in a way, a way to where she's not, you know, seeking that validation from anyone, whether that be boy or girl in terms of boyfriend or even, you know, girl friendship groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I see her in her room talking to her friends all the time now. So I know that she's able to form those relationships healthily. Yes. And I think that, that that definitely is a matter of, you know, not just following the crowd and trying to fit in, but really standing in who you are and mm-hmm. really being proud of that and letting people love you for that or not. And, or and not. being okay Absolutely. with that. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I'm like the people who will stick around and the people who will understand are the people who need to, to be there. Anyone else who's no one, you, I tell all the time, no one you love is going to make you, or no one who loves you right. is going to make you do anything that you do not want to do. Right. Like, and if they are, that's not love. That's not consideration of you and your right. boundaries. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> Right. And and even with that, right, like I like that you said that she's able to change her mind, right? Like you're able to like one thing today and then tomorrow mm-hmm. you're like, mm, that maybe wasn't the best decision for me. Yep. And that's so important. I know even with us and our relationship, look, we're about to come up on 20 years, which is ridiculous. Right. We're about right. to come up on 20 years. But that's to say, like, I've seen so many different versions of you and you've seen so many different versions of me. And she's seen our relationship mm-hmm. grow in that way as well. And I think that that's so important to also model, right, that we can change and we do grow and we love yeah. each other through that. And as well as her, she come to us tomorrow with some huge identity change. She's going to be like, all right, baby girl, you know, like, yeah. let me talk to her, you know, you know, whatever that, whatever that fill in the blank is. Yeah. I tell her all the time, you're never, you're not stuck. Don't ever feel like you're stuck anywhere. And if you, she knows she has plenty of resources and people like, if you can't come to me or if you don't feel comfortable coming to me, I'm not going to take offense to that. But there is a long list yeah. <laughs> of people that you can reach out to and they may come and tell me if it's something that I need to know about. But within that space of those people, it'll be just there with y'all. You know, I just want you to yeah. have somewhere that you can go that's healthy. You're going to receive good advice. They're, they love you. You love them. They're not going to put you in any type of crazy situations. Yeah. You have those people there. That's so important. We talk about that even right with healthy adult relationships and unhealthy relationships. Like, what do you do if you all of a sudden find yourself in something that's unhealthy? Who's a part of that? Mm-hmm. Who's a part of that, you know, support system who you can go to? Mm-hmm. Um, let's switch the gears a little bit. So one thing that we, of course, focus on on Black and Empowered Podcast is, right, like race racism, racial stressors. Yes. Uh, talk to me about like the diversity in her school. Does she deal with racism? Has she seen that? Whether that be in person or like, I know she's not on social media, but like the news, has she talked to you about racism at all at this age? Um, We have had talks about racism. Yes. She, well, I'll just go back to the original question. So her school demographic is probably 98% African-American Black students. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she's in a um, charter school program. And so she's been there for elementary school. Now she's in middle school. And throughout that entire time, most of the children have been um, African-American, as I said. Now, we live in a neighborhood that has, you know, changed a lot throughout this time and has become more, you know, gentrified and all of those things happening. And mm-hmm. so we have noticed that because there are other, you know, populations moving into the neighborhood that the school's student body has now begun to change too. So we see, you know, a couple of, you know, other races in the school, none. And I asked her before, I'm like, are there any, you know, white kids or kids from other races in your grade? She's like, no. Wow. class, there are no students from, um, and she's never been in a class that had other races. Yeah, yeah. So all she pretty much knows is black people. Yeah. Some of her teachers, you know, over the years, but even that, that is very rare. Most of the teachers at her school are also um, black. So we live in a black neighborhood. I'm black. I have black friends. Like our family Mm -hmm. is black. Like, so she's very like, this is, I only know pretty much black people, but she has, you know, she hasn't experienced racism directly i've asked her that question um as well you know a couple months ago she has not um but she's seen it you know on the news and you know world events that have been going on and we've had to like sit down and talk with her about like what this means you know why people even though we don't have an answer most of the time for why people do the things they do but it's just, you know, we let her know it's not anything that you're doing. It's simply the color of your skin or, you know, like things of that nature. Just because we can't avoid, we can avoid social media. We cannot avoid the news. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's constant that she's just going to be aware of that as things happen. And so we just take those opportunities to sit with her and let her know, like, you're not bad because you're black these things are happening to certain demographics of people because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and just really explaining to her what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that explanation is, is really important in terms of just preparing her for the real world, right? Like who knows what college she's going to go to. Even if mm-hmm. she goes to HBCU, who knows what her first job is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. like who knows what she's seeing on the news and the media. And that's to say, right. Like you can't internalize any of those negative messages. Mm-hmm. So it's great that you're, you know, pumping her up with those positive messages just in case, right? To just start, we call that prep for bias, right? But just yeah. to get her prepared so she doesn't go into the world and get shocked when she's like, wait, some white people don't like me because I'm not white. So, especially, you know, next year she's going into high school and the high school that she will more than likely be attending is not all. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that will, you know, that will be an adjustment for sure. And so um, just preparing her for that, preparing, you know, myself for that. Cause what if she's like, Oh, well, I want to have a sleepover or I'm, I want to go to a sleepover and it's not a black person's house. You know, like we haven't experienced that yet. So we're learning as we're going to like, Oh, you know, how will we handle that? How will, you know, like what would that look like for us? Because we've only had to, her peer group is, has only been African-American black kids. So, yeah. Oh, so even within that, right? Like what about colorism? Has she talked at all about that? Or have you seen that at school? And how do you guys deal with so? I, 
she has never mentioned anything about colorism before. Like she understands, like, you know, light skin, dark skin, like she knows what that means, but her friends are like across the spectrum of, you know, girls and black boys. So she's never, I've never heard her say or heard any of her friends say, or anyone at the school when I've been there, I've never seen anyone be like, you know, back in our day, it was like, if you was dark skin, they was calling you all types of stuff, you know, just going crazy. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen much of that, Mm -hmm. but I also Mm -hmm. think it's because like her generation is a lot different. So, and they have a lot, more like acceptance within their generation so like she will see things on youtube she does watch youtube and it's like Mm -hmm. you know makeup for dark-skinned girls or you know what i mean so it's more like right pride in what you look like yeah it's a lot of pride in like what i look like no one is you know calling her out of her name or just crazy things you know all of that or you know no one is really saying anything about like you know, light-skinned girls or anything like that. Not to my understanding. I -hmm. will say she's, you know, certain things when it comes to hair because, um, but she's like, oh, I want my hair light. She'll show me like a YouTube video and I'm like, ooh, baby. (laughs) Like that that person's hair texture is different than what we have. Right, Um, right, right, right. So hair typing and learning how to do your hair. Okay, yeah. Most of the time, it's lighter skin girls who have, you know, that she will show me, they have like the looser curls or they're able to, they have super long hair or they're able to do different styles with their hair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, your hair we can achieve that style, but we may need to do X, Y, and Z. We may need to, mm-hmm. she's old enough now where she can do like extension ponytails or, you know, mm-hmm. long braids and things of that nature. I'm like, yes, yeah, achievable, but that's not how our hair is growing out of our heads. Yeah. <laughs> um, So she, she learned, you know, a couple years ago about just like the different hair textures. Yeah. And like I said, that is linked sometimes to colorism as well. Sure. Um, but we haven't directly had any like major interactions with with colorism. Sure, yeah. And you know when we went to the Renaissance film, she actually I meant to comment on that because she had a hairstyle that I used to wear back in the day, like the little braid crown. I said, okay, Claude. Yeah. So that is one thing that um that we do do that I think is important for parents, for members of our support system to do is just to hype them up, right? Just to mm-hmm. let them know, like, I love your hair, I love your texture, or I love that style, or oh girl, yeah. did you try something new? Yeah. Um, but I do think that, like you said, YouTube is a huge resource, right? Like once you get into either following somebody who has a similar, you know, hair texture or wears their hair like you want to hair wear it, like that is so good to find your community. So well, that's, that's, that's my thing too. Like, you know, I was, YouTube was my thing for many, many years. YouTube is still my thing. I love YouTube. But at a certain point, I'm like, I have to watch women who look like me, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, I understand that this hair care product may be in style, but you don't have the same hair texture as me. So that may not work for me. Or, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, just seeing people do their day to day things, I'm like, I want to be, a, I want to look at people who look like me. And when they're doing their makeup, I'm not going to watch. I may watch someone do their makeup who's lighter than me or darker than me to learn technique. Right. But, like, I'm not using the same products as them. So, right. 
Right. Yeah. Right. That's so important. Okay. Yeah, I need to get back on my YouTube game because I do remember, like, when I had my Loose Natural, I was all about YouTube style. But once yes. I got locked, I just stopped. I haven't styled my hair. I, I might do a braid <laughs> out. But you're right in that YouTube is a great resource for mm-hmm. caregivers and for kids. And it is something, right? Like, y'all could pull it up on the TV and watch it together now because we got smart yes. TVs. Yep. So that's a great way to bond and to get to mm-hmm. know each other and to spend time together. Mm-hmm. So any other strategies that you have that you want to share with the audience just in general about, you know, just overcoming stressors, um, being confident in yourself, just being mm-hmm. resilient for, let's say, teenagers, because we there now, Lord. Yeah, I think it's important, you know, a key piece is to let them know, like, let your children know that they are important. Like, I know that people have like, okay, children only should be in certain spaces or people should only, you know, you should only talk during this time. And yes, there are like, even in the Beyonce movie, like there's a part where Blue is saying, no, 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 no. Don't take out that song. Like, and Beyonce like tells her, you know, hey, you know, calm down. <laughs> Don't interrupt people while they're talking. Yeah, and she gave her a reason. I, I'm telling, I'm giving you a reason as to, mm-hmm. yes, I'm not going to tell you to shut up. Blue voice, what she wanted to say. No one told her to be quiet. Beyonce mm-hmm. was just like, you know, like, hey, we were talking and you kind of interjected yourself and, you know, it's not polite or nice, or respectful to cut people off. Um, and that that's a very real moment. And she was calm in her voice with her. She wasn't yelling. I think it's very important to let your child know that that yeah. builds up their resilience 100% when they feel like they don't have to be in a corner and shrink themselves right. or, you know, not have a voice. Um, and I tell Clark that all the time. You have was a voice. Was it Diva? Because I remember, I remember her saying, <laughs> right, like... We're listening to your opinion and that's important, but don't interrupt. So it was very much a duality of, right, like this is the boundary and how you communicate and know that mm-hmm. we do value. And I bet you she kept that song in. So that right. is <laughs> that is a really good point. So that balance yeah. of your voice matters time. and this is how you yes. to be respectful Absolutely. as well. Yeah, it's like you can say, and I tell her all the time, like, don't say whatever you want to say, right? Because like no one should do that. Adults shouldn't say whatever they want to say. People should have a level of self-control with their thoughts and their tongue and their mouth. Like don't say whatever you want to say, but you do have a voice. And if you feel like something is important, you can say that in a, in a, you know, healthy and respectful way. Now that may not be, the answer might still be no, you know, like your mom and dad or your parent or whoever might still say no, but you understand, like, at least I could say that. And I'm not scared to say that around them. Like, I never right. want my child Ooh. to be, like, afraid yeah. of me. And I know old school parents are like, no, I'm yeah. hot in my child. And I'm, I'm like, no, 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 no. And I say every single, all the time, I've said this often to people, like, I look at my child. Yes, I'm her mother. I get that. But we are friends, she is my friend mm-hmm. and it's an honor to be her That's friend. Okay. Yeah. Because she's yeah. a great person. Like she's a great person. Why yeah. wouldn't I want to be someone that she feels comfortable with? And you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying I'm her friend where I'm taking her along with me while I do adult things. No, like there's boundaries within that, but she is my friend and I am her friend. And I think that builds a lot of resilience. 
that builds a lot of resilience in her to mm-hmm. know like, yeah, I can stand on my own, but you know, like, and I can say what I want to say, but if it falls flat, I'm still loved. You know, if it doesn't go my way, it's okay. Um, so yeah, those yeah. are things that I definitely try to instill in her. And I think I, you know, we've done a good job of that. Yeah. You have, let me tell you one thing. And and I think it's those, you know, let me not say those kids who were raised in the, my no is no, and you can't ask certain questions. But mm-hmm. I know for a fact, Clark is never going to be afraid to ask for a raise. She's right. never going to be afraid to negotiate a good position. Clark, I asked her to do something for me one time recently before my baby shower. She came in my office and she did exactly what I asked. And when she came back in the bathroom, she was like, I see you got some iPads in there. What's up? Let me get one of them iPads. And I was like, you know what? I actually appreciate the fact that you asked me that question because I mean you're not scared to ask or anything that you yes. want. But I need those for data collection, right? Like right. <laughs> I want her to not be afraid to ask for anything, whether that be a raise, a promotion, a better position, a whole new job. Like that's a part of how you're raising her. So I, I really appreciate you saying yeah, and that. I, and I've told her, like, you're, you know, just because you ask for something don't mean that the answer is going to be yes. Sometimes the answer is going to be no. And that is okay. You're not above hearing a no. Love you. I think you're great. But right. you're not above hearing a no. You know what I mean? Like people are going to be telling you no for the rest of your life. It is okay. You're going to either negotiate mm. <laughs> or mm. you're going to accept the yeah. no or you're going to do something else or the answer is going to be yes or the answer is going to be not right now. You know, it, that's just yeah. life. He understands that. Yeah. Ask yeah. what you want to ask for. And that's so important, especially right yeah, like the answer is going to be yes, no, or not right now. Yeah. And if you feel like there's wriggle room to negotiate, then do that too, because don't just settle for what, you know, people think that you should be settling for. Those are all very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know one thing that we tell Kobe all the time, Kobe's my my godson. All of y'all know that he's my nephew. Um, but we tell him that all the time as well. Um but especially when it comes to boys and girls, right? Like Kobe might do something and it hurts me. And I'm like, no, Kobe, we need to stop that. And then I'll come back and I'll really say, right? Like when a woman says no, it means no. Mm-hmm. But there are other opportunities and other times where a no is negotiable. So that's mm-hmm. actually really important for me to think about in terms of, right? Like being concise, but also, mm-hmm. you know, having balance and understanding, right? Like what's negotiable, what's the boundary, what's a firm no. Yes. Um, and just that social awareness is important. But I yes. do know I said we had a tight hour, y'all. We're gonna bring we're gonna bring Tanisha back. We're gonna continue this conversation, of course. Um <laughs> particularly like I said, as I start raising my little black boy, that's gonna be so important. But We're really so quickly excited to meet him. We cannot wait, cannot wait, cannot Yay! wait. Yay, our little Roman baby. We can't wait. Um, but tell listeners, I know everybody fell in love with you today, much as I have. How can they reach out to you, Tanisha, if they have any questions or if they want to connect with you? Where you at on social media? So on social media on all platforms, I am a T Po T P O E underscore underscore. And that is on Instagram. That is on Twitter. I think that's all the social media that I'm on. <laughs> You're on Facebook, but that's for the aunties. Don't even worry about Facebook. Right. I mean I'm on Facebook, but I'm I can t- I've never logged on to Facebook. Um right. I, you know any emails that need to be sent like my business email is poplated at gmail.com. My um you know personal email is 
t-n-i-s-h-a dot po at gmail.com so any of those avenues i am constantly in communication all the time on any of those so yes yay po plated is my favorite it's the most important y'all stay tuned for all things that she has <laughs> that she has coming i know right a lot of people write like tanisha go viral every other week with something she done made <laughs> um and it's always delicious and you know I got what? the benefits and the perks of having <laughs> first dibs on those things. So um, let's just wrap up today's episode. You guys stay tuned for more. Please rate and review us. Leave a comment. Share this podcast. I know you guys are all going to want to tell your friends about Tanisha. Um, and stay tuned for more. Any questions that you have, we're going to do a mailbag episode here soon. If you have any, leave those at theempowerlab at gmail.com. And we'll feature your questions. Thank you so much for joining today. I have appreciate, you know, this is just like a regular FaceTime, but I appreciate you sharing your insights and your experiences with our listeners. Hopefully they benefited from this um, and that they are more prepared to raise resilient children. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure and I am always honored. <laughs> yeah, so we'll speak to you soon. We'll have you back on the on the podcast soon. Thank you. Bye, guys.